Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Starting Small Music Podcast. I'm your host, Justin McCormick, and today we have a very special guest, country artist and songwriter Paige King-Johnson. Paige has been touring the country, opening for some of country music's biggest names, and currently has a song soaring up the charts, her current single, Baby Don't. From starting her own country music festival to working alongside Pam Tillis as she co-directed her music video, Paige has an awesome story that I can't wait to get into with you guys, and I hope you guys learn a lot. I'll see you at the end. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Starting Small Music Podcast. Today, we have country artist and songwriter Paige King-Johnson. Paige, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing real good. So uh, getting right into your story, you grew up uh, right outside of Raleigh, North Carolina. When did you first get introduced to music, and uh, did you grow up in a musical family? Um, I kind of grew up in a musical family. My dad played drums in a band when he was in high school and uh, kind of did his little touring around in our, near our hometown in North Carolina. Um, and my mom was always in some kind of music lesson, whether it was you know piano or singing in church or whatever. And so they weren't necessarily you know front people or performers, but there was music in our family. And so um, they saw the value in that. And since I was a little girl, um, my sister and I have both been in some sort of music lesson, whether Uh, It was starting out in piano, and then it was, uh, for me, it transitioned into guitar whenever I was 10 years old, and throughout that whole time, we were also, you know, singing in every play at church and all that kind of stuff, and so music was very much so surrounded um, by me, and that was just kind of normal, and um, when I was 10 years old, my granddad bought me a guitar for Christmas, and that was my first you know, introduction into music in a different world than just, you know, it being a hobby or something that I had to do, you know? Yeah. Um, And so that was when I first started falling in love deeper with music. And um, the following Easter, my granddad actually passed away. Oh, wow. And so um, I kind of took that as my sign from the Lord and my sign from him that, you know, music was meant to be something more in my life than just a hobby. And that was really when I started taking it seriously. Yeah, man, that's a beautiful story at the end there. Um, so who were, like, before you even got your guitar, who were some of the first artists you really remember, like, consuming and, like, really resonating with their music? I grew up in a house that loved classic country music, and so we listened to Loretta Lynn and, and Waylon Jennings and Merle Haggard and Patsy Cline, and um, that was country music to me. Mm-hmm. And I was a, a kid that was born in the 90s as well, too, and so I had you know, that classic country music mixed with whenever I was in the car with my mom, we were listening to George Strait and Martina McBride and Trisha Yearwood and Alan Jackson. And so um, I really kind of pull from both those two eras of country music and, um, you know, try to fuse them together into my own style. But that's, that's what I pull from all the time. Totally. Hearing those names, I can for sure hear a lot of those coming through through your music. So I think you're right on the right path. Um, so you, uh, in high school, when did you, did you start playing out, uh, in the North Carolina area? When was that time in your life? I really started playing, um, you know, pretty soon after I started taking guitar lessons, I was never a shy kid. <laughs> I'm sure as you can, uh, you can attest to as well too with yourself, but, um, so I was ready and I started playing at, at church and, um, in school talent shows and at, you know, friends' birthday parties, and then that kind of turned into local festivals and starting to play a few venues whenever I got into my teenage years and, um, you know, really trying to 
to build from the inside and, and grow out. And so I really focused on as, you know, a, a middle schooler and a high schooler, um, just playing around home. And it was just kind of a here and there kind of thing, not as much as, you know, doing music full time now, but um, it really, you know, it taught me that grind from the very beginning and, you know, learning how to be a road rat and loving it every, every step of the way. For sure. So uh, when it came time for you to, when you were graduating high school and it came time to decide where you wanted to go, did you think back to the time when like your grandpa got your guitar, like when you decided to go to Belmont to like make that leap to continue pursuing music? Yeah, I mean, the, the thoughts of moving to Nashville started coming up whenever I was in high school. Um, I was in that, you know, very transitional period that everybody goes through in high school of, you know, what am I going to do with my life and, and what's next for me? And um, it was around sophomore year that those ideas of Nashville and, and doing music as a career, not just it being a hobby for the rest of my life, um, those thoughts started flooding in. That was around the time that I had actually um, started a dinner theater in my hometown. And so um, the whole world of, of music and entertainment being a business as well as just a hobby was, was introduced to me then. And so um, it was around that time that I started looking at Nashville and I looked into Belmont as a college and they had a music business program. And so that really felt like you know, all these perfect worlds kind of coming together into one. And, um, you know, it was an easy choice from there. Wow. So I didn't know that before you even moved to Nashville, you started your dinner theater country on the outskirts of town. What gave you that idea? And like, uh, how did that uh, kind of come about? I was a sophomore in high school and I had been playing music then for, you know, five years or so. And I felt like I had kind of reached that, that peak of, of places that I could play around home and festivals that I could play. And um, I was starting to get a little frustrated because coming from a small town, there's not a lot of, you know, opportunities that are nearby to be able to go out and play live music and, you know, to, to bring that. And so um, I was searching and I was too young to play in bars at that point. And I was just kind of getting upset and so I approached my parents and thankfully they had this space that was really great and I you know had this vision that it would be really great for live music and so um, I approached them and begged and pleaded for them to let me use it um, and and to see where this idea of mine could go and uh, follow my face a few times in putting on these events and kind of, you know, learn from it and build it up into something, mm -hmm. not only for myself and artists like myself to be able to, um, you know, have a place to play live music and to, you know, continue perfecting that whole performance aspect, but also to give a place for people around home to have live music and not have to drive an hour up to Raleigh or down to Fayetteville, um, you know, to have that, but that they could, you know, come right around the corner and be able to have a good time on the weekend. Yeah, totally. And that first idea kind of blossomed into what you've been doing the past couple summers with Country Yard Party, your first like country music festival. Uh, what has that been like planning your own like festival and like headlining it? Uh, How has that been? Crazy because I hate myself and I started it in the middle of a pandemic, but um, <laughs> You know, us musicians, we like to kill ourselves and then love it at the end. And so, right. um, no, the Country Yard Party has kind of always been another brainchild of mine from, you know, stemming from um, the dinner theater. And 
when the pandemic hit, I obviously, we couldn't do the dinner theater anymore because I was not going to bring people into, um, you know, an enclosed room. And so I felt like that was the perfect time to kind of shift this and see where this outdoor festival idea of mine could go. And so, um, you know, what we were planning for in May of 2020 ended up getting pushed to August of 2020. And by that point, I think everybody really needed entertainment and they needed live music. And so, um, you know, I was able to work with county officials and insurance companies and everything like that and really figuring out the best way to be able to bring this idea of mine to life, not only for myself and those artists, but for the people who truly, truly needed some sort of creative outlet and entertainment at that point. Um, And it's been so cool to see it grow and to see uh, the support that I get from local businesses, you know, here in my hometown and around um, who believe in live music and who want to continue to see that grow and flourish and, um, you know, bringing in artists from all over North Carolina to be able to to give them the stage to play on. Totally. And I mean, kind of circling back to you going to Belmont, you studied music business. Has that helped you in some ways when you're actually planning like huge events like this that normally a huge concert promoter would probably be have the responsibility for? Yes, absolutely. 100%. And uh, I tell my parents all the time, I'm like, that degree's going to work. You <laughs> thought I was just learning how to count guitar strings and play music, but um no it has and it's you know I had all kinds of classes at Belmont from contract law and and business law all the way to event planning and um you know even into music copyright and all that kind of stuff and so all those things kind of coming together have really helped me not only in the the festival planning and the event planning world but also just in me being an artist and um you know it it gets kind of tough and a lot of people can kind of, you know, they'll they'll try to use you and abuse you however they can, if you're not with the right kind of people. And so um, I learned, you know, what I'm owed as an artist and what I should be sticking up for myself because, you know, that is the norm in the, in the industry. And that's what you're, you know, guaranteed in the law. And so it's been, it's been very, very helpful in some cases. Wow. Yeah, totally. And like you're talking about having the right people in your corner and someone I see that like is always in your corner, it seems like is a uh, country superstar, Pam Tillis, uh, your relationship to each other kind of started with your first uh, single well, water down the whiskey. She directed uh, the video for it. Well, how did you guys meet? Uh, what was your relationship like before that? And uh, what was it going into the music video shoot as well? It was crazy. I mean, the fact that I got a phone call, um, from my team saying, Hey, uh, you know, we, we kind of just sent your music over to Pam Tillis because we know that, you know, she has kind of been one of your heroes in, in music for a while. And, um, she immediately popped back and said that she loved it and she believed in my songwriting and she wanted to be involved with me. However, you know, we saw fit. And so, um, whenever we released and just like you and doing that, there was, you know, there was this, music video shoot coming up obviously and you know we thought well what happens if we stick Pam in the producer chair and and let her kind of run with it and see where she goes with it on that side of the creative um you know the creative camera and so um it was Pam's first time ever being any kind of you know producer anything like that for a music video and it was you know my first you know what I would say real music video that I had shot and so Uh, we were kind of going through the ropes together and 
um, you know, getting to know each other and me, you know, having these freak out moments of holy crap, like Pam Tillis is calling me on my phone right now, um, <laughs> as well as, you know, figuring out, you know, me as an, as a, an actress in my own music videos and Pam as a producer. And so it was a really special project to get to work on her with and, you know, to start that relationship with her as a mentor and a friend. And then, um, you know, her ending up being the producer for Baby Don't's music video as well, too. It was just kind of really cool to kind of see it flourish. And in our relationship, we kind of knew how to interact with each other and how to work with each other and could pick up on the cues since we had done it before. Yeah, for sure. I think that, that probably has to mean a lot to you having like one of your heroes growing up now be a friend and like someone you can just ask whenever you because she's been in the spots that you're going through right now. So I, I'm sure that's really special to you. And uh, you've also been on the road opening for huge artists like Kane Brown, Jimmy Allen, Scotty McCreary. Uh, what are your favorite memories from the road? And has there been any conversations with any artists uh, that you've opened up for where they kind of gave you some words of wisdom to keep going? Yeah, I mean, uh, it always circles back to me a few years ago. I was um, out in Missouri and I got to open up a show for Neil McCoy. And, you know, although he was never, you know, a huge mover and shaker, he had his his share of number one hits. And, for sure. um, you know, it, there's a lot to be said for somebody who can have a 30, 40 year career in music and still be touring and have, you know, those fans that are so dedicated that they would drive a thousand miles to come see you. And so um, to be able to sit down with him and kind of, you know, hear words of encouragement and, you know, hear that, you know, it's going to be tough. And I know it's tough right now. I've been where you've been and just trust me, it's worth it. If you put in the work and you put in the time and you keep working, you know, 10% harder than everybody else that you're by. Um, you know, that's a really encouraging thing as well as being able to have that, you know, opening act spot and be able to then step backstage and watch these artists that have, you know, whether they've been doing this for 40 years or whether they're celebrating, you know, their first few number ones and they have these massive, you know, crowds of fans that are coming back and screaming these words back to them, um, you know, to get to watch them interact with their fans who are out in the crowd and get see them interact with their band on stage and picking up on those, you know, unspoken cues that you as an artist can kind of, you know, realize what's happening on stage and, you know, to see how they form a set list and how they, you know, work the stage and all that kind of stuff that's truly like, you know, going to school for artists and, and in my position, because you're learning all these different things of how to craft, you know, an onstage performance. And that's just, um, it's not something that I take lightly because it, it really is a very special thing to get to do. And I, I don't think there's anyone better to learn from than Neil McCoy. He puts on a, a heck of a live show. I'll tell you that. No, he's, he's just so much fun. It's like a ball of energy. I'm like, I wish I had that much energy. <laughs> For real. So your third single is at country radio right now. It went top, it's climbing top 40 in the, uh, on the music row, true indie and billboard country indicator. Uh, it was written by Lori McKenna, Liz Rose, and Hilly Lindsay, like three mega players in the country music scene. What's it mean to have these three uh, women in your corner and also have a song in the top 40? Crazy and stupid, and I, I don't know how it all happens. <laughs> but um, no, this this song was actually sent to me by Pam, and uh, she knew I'd been working on some new music and had kind of reached out to some of her friends in the industry, and this song came through her and 
she had texted it to me one day and I saw something, you know, pop up on my phone and it said there was a, a voice memo. And before I could even open it, here's Pam calling me. And so I'm picking up the phone and I said, hello. And she goes, Paige, I just texted you a song and I think it sounds exactly like you. And if you don't record it, you're crazy. And before I could say anything, she hangs up the phone on me. And so <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, if Pam Tillis is saying this, maybe I need to listen. And, um, you know, I went and I clicked on the, the voice memo and I saw Lori McKenna, Hillary Lindsay, Liz Rose in it. And I'm like, there is no way that this is true. <laughs> and um, I listened to the song and I fell in love with it and immediately called her back. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. A thousand times. Yes, this is my song. And so um, we got to take it into the studio and kind of make it my own and uh, which was a really cool thing. And that was my first experience ever cutting an outside song. And so there was a whole you know, learning aspect to that as well, too. But, um, you know, I always say that I release music and I just hope and pray that my parents will want to listen to it. And, you know, anything on top of that is just added. And um, to get to hear and see every week the support from country radio and it moving up the charts and, you know, get messages of people who are listening to it. And um, it, it's just a really special thing. And it's validation that, you know, keep working and, and keep making music that matters to people. And that's, you know, fun to listen to, or that's, you know, whatever. And, um, it's a, it's a really cool thing and I'm grateful for it. And I don't take it lightly. <laughs> for sure. So, uh, other than baby don't, uh, what else can fans expect you from you, uh, from this next coming year? Hopefully a lot of new music. I have sworn up and down that 2022 is going to be the year to get all these songs that I have been holding on to, um, out to somebody else's speakers, but mine. And so uh, I'm working towards releasing some music because I wrote quite a bit during the pandemic whenever I was off the road. And, um, you know, a lot of fun stuff with, you know, Baby Doll and, um, you know, everything else that's coming around and my, my partnership with the Department of Agriculture here in North Carolina, which has been a really cool thing too. And so um, there, it's going to be a busy year, but a good one. And now I like to close my interviews all the time uh, with uh, your advice to uh, someone, the younger version of yourself, someone else is wanting to uh, be where you are at your age. What would you say to that aspiring musician? Um, I would say on the songwriting side that no matter how crappy you think the song is that you're working on and that you're writing and you don't believe in it, write it, um, finish it. And because if I've learned anything, it's that you have to write the crappy songs and get those out of the way to get to the good ones. And, um, you know, every lyric and every melody that you write is exercising that muscle and it's conditioning you to become a better songwriter. And just like athletes go to training every single day, you have to, you know, do that. And so don't give up on it. Um, and as an artist, I would say that at the very beginning of being an artist, you're getting pulled and you're getting molded and you're getting, you know, shaped into what you want to be and, you know, this this idol, if you will, to in the spotlight to other people. And um, you have to be really precious with that and make sure that, you know, how you're getting molded and shaped, whether it's by yourself or by a team that you surrounded yourself with, um, that that's who you want to be and that that truly is you. Because if things happen like you want them to, then that's going to be, you know, your image for the rest of your career. And you want that to be something that's uplifting and that's you know, something that's to be looked up to by younger kids. And so, um, you know, stay true to yourself and don't let 
people, whether it's radio or record labels or managers or stylists or whatever, you know, don't, don't let them make you somebody that you're not proud of. Well, guys, there you have it. My conversation with Paige King Johnson. Paige, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I had a great time talking with you. Everyone, go follow her on Instagram at Paige King Johnson. And make sure to go check out her new single, American Beauty, out today. I want to give a big thank you to TBD Coffee Co. for being the official coffee of Starting Small Music. Go check them out at tbdcoffeeco.com. And make sure to come back next week to hear my conversation with artist and songwriter Marielle Kraft. Check out Starting Small Music on YouTube to see all the video content from my reviews. And finally, give us a follow on Instagram at Starting Small Music and let us know who you'd like to hear on the podcast next. And remember, everyone starts small.